What you call it, Milo, the Bitterroot River, the Bitterroot River in the Bitterroot River Valley of Montana. And this is November the 18th. This is the week of Thanksgiving, and I am here with my friend Mila, who has bought a very large ranch here, all over 600 acres, and it's a year old right now while she prepares for her vision and the entire reason why she bought uh, the ranch here. It's actually in near Stevensville, Montana, in about um, 35 minutes or 40 minutes from the Missoula Airport, which is where you would fly into. If you can picture Montana as what you think of as Montana, thinking of the, the mountains and the clear streams and the waters and the hunter-gatherers <laughs> that are still here, I think that my friend Myla is doing that as well, and she's gathering. And what she has in her mind, in her heart, in her soul to do is to gather um, God's children here, specifically young adults, and give them a place to live, to work, um, to worship, um, and to be part of America as some of us used to know it back in, you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, that we had a little more clean living and really took our work ethics to heart and understood what um, those rewards were as well. I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask Myla first to say hello, but also to ask her about how this vision got started and by the way, I know Myla from 1980, although we went our different directions for, for many, many years, for some reason, for God's purpose, uh, we were brought back together under the, the best of circumstances, and I uh, really, really appreciate and honor this friend of mine, who I am so happy to see again after all of these years, and be a small part of this tremendously large vision that she has here um, for her ranch called the Fort Owen Ranch here in Montana. And here is Myla. Hello. Uh, thank you, Colleen, for the time that you're giving me to tell people about the ranch. Uh, although I've only owned it for a year, the ranch has been in existence for 165 years. It was first uh, purchased by John Owen back in 1850, and he bought it from the Jesuit missionaries who came through, who were brought through by the Salish Indians in hopes that they could help, uh, help them with some of the diseases that they were suffering with. Uh, and they lived quite a bit in harmony with the Jesuit missionaries, although there were a lot of struggles here in the valley with... Um, other Indian tribes and so they worked together and had at one time had to abandon the fort because of all the the um, problems with the Blackfoot Indians coming in and uh, wiping out everybody and so they left and abandoned the the fort for a time and then John Owen who had been a trader who would go from Oregon through to Missouri trading goods Bought the bought the the ranch in 1850 and built a fort on it, which was really more than just a trading post as opposed to a military fort, but they called it a fort. And he worked in close community with the Salish Indians, and the fort became a place of protection for not only the the, the settlers, the early settlers, but the 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 Indians as well. And they would uh, come together and protect one another and help one another through a lot of very cold winters and abundant summers. So I bought the ranch in uh, November of last year. and Complete with the fort? Complete with the fort. It's been an interesting, it's an interesting 
dynamic the fort here. It's right along the Bitterroot River. Or, I mean, the ranch is a is an interesting dynamic. It's right along the Bitterroot River, and part of the river, uh, many spots in the river are used for fishing accesses for fly fishermen. So part of the ranch has been used over the years as a fishing access for boaters. And then right smack dab, not quite in the middle of the <laughs> ranch, is the old fort, which is now a state park. And there are remnants of the fort and reproductions of the actual buildings themselves. And it's a state park. It doesn't get visited very much as most state parks do, but it's still a state park. And so there's some, there's some definitely some issues that we're learning to live with and work through with tourists coming, coming down onto the ranch and not knowing where the fort ends and the ranch begins. So we're working with the state uh, to try to overcome some of those, some of those very different kind of issues. So, but the, the road is open to, to the fort and there's a couple of parking areas and it is really interesting because the road does lead right to your house and the guest house and all the buildings and really, uh, to the public eye, it does look like it all belongs together in one, one big, <laughs> one big fort, so to speak, but it, but it is not. And, uh, I know that you kind of rescued the fort, shall we say, from the previous owner who really, um, did not take to public, um, interference or, uh, to see the fort. And so the town has been, gleefully so tremendously grateful and happy to have you come in and buy this place and um i would imagine that there will be some kind of a, i mean final you know resolution yes yes i'm working with the fish and wildlife uh department of fish and wildlife to create a uh, a permanent launch area for boats and access a beach for swimmers on the river itself and then also with the state department of parks and recreation on making the fort itself a little more accessible creating bigger parking area so people can right now it has two parking spaces and it just really doesn't it's not it's not what the park needs so we're working on getting some property giving them some property that they will create a parking spaces more parking spaces and kind of delineating the lines between private property and public property hopefully that's that's the end game anyway <laughs> but these things take time so they these, will get done when they get done but there is so much more cooperation now so, well, two things. One was I finally went to the fort yesterday. I mean, just walked from your house <laughs> out, your, out your front door. Across the driveway. Across <laughs> the driveway. Into the fort, into the 1854. And, oh, my God, I don't know why I didn't do that the first time around. But that was pretty cool. I really, really, really enjoyed that. The second thing is that there were a lot of ranches here for sale. So what made you choose this one? God chose this one for me, not okay. me. Uh, my my vision was to um, find an area in small town America to help keep and maintain that small town America that our country was founded on. Um, so many people have to move to big cities because of a lack of jobs. And there are jobs out there. There is a lot of work out there and there's such a draw for big cities for people want to want to go there. A lot of people, I guess, feel like they're missing out on something. When we're young, we have to leave home and go strike out to the big city. Um, and it always doesn't end up, our dreams aren't always realized. And we come back and we have, we want to stay in the small art where we came from, but there's just no, there's no, not a lot of work available. And I think the I think our culture has determined that if you don't go to a four-year academic school, you don't measure up, I guess. I personally don't feel that that's true. I think that we are born and given great God-given talents. Not all of us are, are uh, supposed to be doctors and lawyers and scientists. Um, but there are a lot of people who have great gifts, mechanical gifts, gifts with their hands and I think that that that's my vision is to create an environment where people can come and learn skills learn 
hands-on skills that they are so talented with and, and that they can develop and go out and create uh, either uh, a job or a business of their own or work for someone and still stay in that community and be part of the community that they were born and raised or that they moved to and they really love. Um, or they are moving back to to stay with the parents because or a family because they don't they cannot make it out there in the, in the big world and what are people needing most in this world the people who have skills for uh, um, the trades that <laughs> that people pay dearly for and and nobody really that's a dying art in all that area it is it's so needed and yet we are geared to again we're geared to think that that's not important that those are secondary uh, of secondary value and they're really not and so we you know we think that um, we need to go out and become something quote more important when there's there's so much importance on 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 the trades as people are finding you know if you've done anything if you if you've needed a uh, a mechanic or you've needed a uh, a painter or a welder or a, someone to come and fix something at your house. It's those people are so valuable and there's, they're so hard to find these days. And by the same token, there's a lot of older people who are so talented with those skills and they have so much to teach younger people. And before that art is lost, it should be passed on to the, to the younger generations. Yes, and so as we get um, closer to um, the grounding of things, you know, the, the levels, how does this work? Um, how does this run? Can, you know, put this together, take it apart, um, use your own creativity, use your own I intellect and try to figure things out. Now, I loved it, when Milo, when you told me about this gentleman, this older man, teacher, whatever, that actually had a course in tinkering yes and I just I just I thought that was just so great and can you just describe like what exactly what that is well he was teaching a course at a private Christian academy here um and he would do a tinkering course he owns a company that makes um, parts for model trains and he ships them all over the world little tiny bits and pieces of train parts and he is uh, phenomenal at taking things apart and putting things back together and he was teaching kids at this at the academy how to do just that how to make things work how transistors work and how uh, engines work and and all those things that kids and even adults have no clue how it's done. We are so, in this country especially, we are so used to just going out and buying something that works. And as soon as it doesn't work, we either have to go out and buy it again or we throw it away or we have to find somebody that will fix it. And those fix-it people, there's not a lot of them out there as there used to be. And we're not using our minds to figure things out. It's too easy here to figure things, to just throw it away and start again. And teaching young people how to tinker, how to, again, take things apart and put things back together is something that uh, I think is invaluable, not just, again, for, the, for young people, but middle-aged people alike. And those, those older people who have had to do that for years, and it's second nature, have so much qualification to, to teach the youth. And, and young adults, how to do that? Yes, through with our hands and our, our hearts and our and our heads. Now you had approached this man, or you did tell him about your mission statement, and he seemed to be very excited about that, right? He is. He's very excited. Right now, we were uh, in the last this first year. My goal was to get the ranch back up to a working cattle ranch. There used to be quite a bit of ranching through the Bitterroot Valley, but it's um, dwindled down. But I want to keep it alive because there are people that still make a living at it. And there are a lot of young kids here in the FFA, Future Farmers of America, who have a real interest and passion for agriculture and ranching, farming. And hopefully they can learn 
some of those skills here at the ranch. Because a lot of kids have the passion, they just don't have anywhere to learn it and do it. And so that, that the goal first year was to get the, the ranch back up to to where it was when uh, the former owner moved. He took pretty much everything except an old wood-burning stove in the in one of the houses. So we had to re-equip the ranch and buy cows and... And bulls. Cows and bulls and <laughs> plant hay. And so it was quite a it was quite a big job this first year. The houses were had been let go. They're sixty years old and had been let go over time, so houses had to be remodeled and so that was our first year goal and then we've accomplished that and it's things are going along pretty well and now this next next goal is to uh, get the training center going we, the the ranch had a big um, facility on it that was used for um, dog training and so we're tearing out the the kennels and going to be utilizing the big big industrial building for classroom uh, workshop area to teach mechanics, welding, um, electrical, uh, those trades, the, the trades that are a dying art. And this is going to be open to uh, youngsters, uh, both male and female, um, coming out of high school or also the, you know, in while they're in high school? Or? Well, the thought to me was to, and it's over, over the time from when I started this uh, vision to now has changed a bit. It's kind of uh, changed from possibly going from more less of an academic school to a, a, a full trade school, concentrating in the trades only. And so it's at this point, I'm looking at probably uh, having kids from 18 to 22 um, learn trades and classes here. Kids who might have, they don't really know what, what they want to do when they get out of high school. They may not want to go to college, can't afford to go to college, or they might have gone to college and found out it's not for them and have come back to the Valley and and need something to do, need, to, need some skills. And so give them an opportunity to come here and learn some of those skills. But really, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a foreigner, if you will, to the Valley. I've moved here from Las Vegas, been there for 30, almost 40 years and moved here. So I'm, uh, my goal is to kind of listen to the locals and find out what the greatest need is. I know that it's skills based. There are businesses here who can't find workers. And I think that's kind of universal across the nation, but um, listen to the to the locals and find out what the need is, the, the 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 biggest need, and maybe work it from there, and going forward. Right, and you're listening to the land as well, and and seeing the the beauty of the land here, and the spirit of the land, and the animals that you have brought in, and you have family here, and this is. Uh, your nephew running the ranch, uh, he's, he's 31 years old, and but he comes from here, he lives here, he knows he's a very smart, you know, young man, I think that's his last name as well, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so you brought back uh, family uh, goodness and um, gathering, gathering, you're gathering, and they have, they they have the knowledge here, and so it's a good fit. It's a good, it's a good match. You wanting to bring back um, healthy, a healthy uh, heart, healthy heart for the for the young people. I I agree about paying more attention to the young people. I I don't know what they're going through as far as what they're thinking. We didn't have to think about the things that are happening today. I mean, they are. That they are dependent on other things and not themselves, you know, for, to be able to think clearly or to be able to know in which direction to, to move in. Tell, tell us, Myla, how you had the vision. Um, how did this really all come about for someone who is used to the nice warm desert of, you know, of Las Vegas? I mean, you could have bought like a couple hundred acres there, you know. So 
tell us how did you um you had an eye operation you had to have your eye bandaged you had to be in total darkness and it was at that time i believe that you saw something a vision that really spoke to you well prior to that i had my husband i've been married for 35 years and um in las vegas had businesses there and my husband um uh, started getting ill in 2006 and uh over the 10 years got uh continually worse and worse and then he developed esophageal cancer in 2000 end of 2015 and so uh and he was and I knew your husband and he was larger than life most of the time yes and he was a tinkerer for sure and a professional I mean he had yes. more gadgets and invented things he invented things and he was he was a prime um example of what I want to do he had no college education but he was terrifically talented mechanically and um he had very innovative and very very successful became very successful just with the talents that God gave him um that he didn't have to go to a four year university and learn he was born with them and he developed them and um so when he passed away i had uh a lot more time on my hands because um the last 10 years was much of it was taking of care. care of him yeah. and so i was going to get involved in the family business and we had business partners and over a short period of time i realized that because i hadn't been involved in the fan, in the in the business my partners didn't really need me to be involved <laughs> in the business and oh, although gee. i i thought i would jump in and you know make things better they just i met a lot of, let's just say i met a lot of resistance so i just i just was i heard the message that i'm not needed to uh, to do that so while i'm still involved in the in the business from an administrative standpoint which i've always done um i didn't need to be hands on and hands there all the time so i had a um I had eye surgery scheduled and i went to um california and had the surgery done and my friend jackie went down there with me and was with me during the surgery drove me home or uh, drove me to the hotel and i had to uh we had been reading a couple of really great books about what you're going to do with the rest of your life and listening to god and uh so she we were sitting in the hotel room and and the one book that we were reading at the time was uh by um Mark Batterson and it's called Chase the Lion and we were sitting in the hotel room with the tv on i had sunglasses on sitting in the dark cuz my eyes i just had eye surgery with you know some bandages over my eyes and she was reading the book about um and the book is about doing something and not anything small and it can then that if it, if it, your dreams don't scare you they're not big enough because we need to we need to give god an opportunity to show up and show us what he can do and if we always stay in our comfort zone and only do the things that we have historically done and know that we know how to do how does that give god any opportunity to show not only us but others how great god is so i don't remember the chapter and the chapter that, and the paragraph that she was reading but it was about finding your mission for what it is that god wants you to do and i just told her i know exactly what it is and um i said i want to go to somewhere that's small that is where america started and go back to those roots go back to the things that made this country great. And the very first thing that made this country great was God. I mean our 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 country was founded on on uh, the principles, the biblical principles and that he is that we are endowed by our creator. And uh so anyway, that's kind of where it started and uh I had like Colleen said, I had had family in in Stevensville. And there were a uh uh another uh, there were a few more uh clues that were sent my way and um so i ended up here and it was a in 
in making the decision and realizing the vision that God had given me, I had reflected back through my life of all the things that I had done in the past that worked to bring me to this point. Jobs I had done, uh, people I'd met. You, you mean skills that you... Yeah, just, just jobs that I had done. Like when I was 19, I went and worked in a, in a private school in oh, Micronesia. Oh, yes. Just, just, just amazing little things that I had done. I had been a commercial real estate broker. So buying the ranch, that was very mm-hmm. helpful. That experience mm-hmm. that, that, that I had done helped me, helped prepare me to deal with buying this ranch and dealing with all of the... The, uh, the hiccups that I've had to deal with, with water rights and private property rights and fishing rights and state park rights and all those things. And so I think that God, over a period of time, he knows where we're going. He knows where we've been. He's been there. So he prepares us and he gives us I don't know whether they're, we don't look at them as opportunities sometimes, <laughs> challenges, but um, he, he prepares us for that next thing. So, and that was really important to me. And it, again, I, I had a cousin here that lived here in Stevensville. I, you know, there's just so many things that happened that um, God knew all about. I had no clue, but God knew all about mm-hmm. and, prepares us for for uh, things that he wants us to do in our lives. So, and, and if it's right, Viola, it happens so fast, doesn't it? It happens very, very quickly. I mean, the stuff that you have done and that you have moved through in, in a year's time, I mean, you, you bought the ranch, you, you bought the ranch within a month or so. I mean, Literally from beginning to end, right? A month or two. Yeah, right? we, yeah, yeah. The, the seller was a very difficult person to deal with and very uh, volatile. And I looked at other ranches here, and this ranch wasn't even on the market. It had been on the market a couple of years earlier, and there was a lot of bad, uh, yeah, bad okay. history. Uh, with regard to the townsfolk and the the, the then owner, and um, it was it was the timing. It was just the timing of the whole thing. And again, got, you know, timing. we have to work within God's timing because it's just really has nothing to do with us. And so I, I looked at a few ranches and drove on to this ranch, and I just felt at peace. So, oh, that's there were two right. there were two ranches that I felt at peace at. And I made an offer on the first one, and it, 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 didn't, it didn't happen. So it came back to this one. And at the time, the owner of this one wasn't ready to sell. And then it came back to this one because I heard that he was now ready to sell. And he, but very, very, very difficult person to deal with, very volatile. And so he had to sell it immediately. And so it was an escrow of 30 days. And... Um, with my real estate background, there were all these yeah. red flags, uh, but I just knew to overcome some of them. And, uh, and you have the experience in the background, that's what you're saying. How, how long between the eye surgery and when you closed on this property here? Well, I had the eye surgery in April, and I closed on the property in November. That is extraordinary. Yeah, uh, and but I found, it, and I found the property in. Uh, I came, I came up here and saw it the first time in. I think it was July or August. Yeah, it was July or August when I when I drove on it of the la- first time last, last year. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, closed escrow on November f- November fourth, which is almost to the day from when John Owen closed on the property back in 1850. I think he closed on November 5th, which was kind of a real uh, oh my interesting, God. interesting tidbit. Yeah. Yes, isn't that, isn't that terrific? Yeah. I mean, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of amazing things that have happened and amazing accomplishments. And while well, sometimes I feel like I haven't done enough, I, I've done, I, I guess, plenty of, Plenty has happened. So. <laughs> and Myla and I have been talking about that for the last couple of days. Actually, today was uh, 
uh, a passage in one of the books that she has. We're talking about Martha, Martha and Mary, and the one, the one that's always working and, you know, trying to prepare and making sure everything's just right and being perfect. And I have a sister who complains about that as well, um, that she needs to be more of what Mary's doing, sitting at Yeshua's feet uh, or, you know, listening and enjoying and not, you know, running around trying to make sure everybody's comfortable. That's right. (laughs) The perfectionist in us has to sit back and say, be still, be still. And so you were still, and you were blindfolded, and you had this vision, and you, in your, in your heart, you said, you said you knew exactly what you were going to do. And so, do you believe that God has already had this vision for you, and it's just that you see, now you see it, because you're asking, and you're listening to, to Jackie reading, and you're asking, well, what what, what shall I do now? Really, what is my purpose? I've lived here, you know, 63 years or whatever that is, and I've done all these things, and my husband is gone just a couple of years. Ten years is a long time to watch someone deteriorate and to, to care for that person. I mean, most of us, if we are in our 60s, we've certainly known or had a parent or someone close to us that we, it takes a lot out of you. And there's a lot to be said then when that person is gone then that it's something opens up even so you know you 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 love that person that person is gone but now now your life is open again because of what you have done so created creatively and lovingly that's not going to stop just because uh of, of your partner's gone or husband's gone or wife's gone you're going to continue and you're going to do even greater right and yeshua say you know, well, I I think, um, and I wrote a little. I don't want to say it was a eulogy, but it, and when my husband, it was a year after he died. I had a dinner for um, just a dinner for the people that were real close and real helpful through those last few months and years when he was ill. And I had a dinner on the anniversary of his death, and I wrote a little ditty about it. I passed it out. It was a little card I put on everybody's plate. And it's talks. It, it it was about that God. We all have a story. We all have an individual story. And uh, a book actually. Mm-hmm. And there are different chapters in that book. And God writes that story. We don't write it. We are. He writes that. He writes our story. And every chapter is. Uh, the book has many many chapters, and. We're pl- we play a part in that story, but we're a, a character in the story. And in the story, there's a lot of happiness, joy, there's sadness, there's sorrow. And the whole, our whole life is filled with those different chapters. And uh, that was, for me, uh, my husband had many chapters. He had many things that he lived through. And uh, this experience with working, taking care of my husband was a chapter, and that chapter was closed. It ended, so I had to start another chapter. And, you know, again, I don't know where that book's going to end, but it will, but God knows. Mm. And God placed those chapters for me, for my book. I was in different chapters and different careers, different places around the world, and met different people. Like Colleen says, we were, we were, close friends 20 some years ago and then many many years went by never saw each other and but god placed us in that chapter many years ago knowing where we would end up again many chapters later and we're here we are sitting what you call the river bottom here we're listening to the the bitterroot valley the the water the beautiful stream the light the sun on the stream her big truck here. <laughs> what, what do you call this truck? What's it? F three fifty Ford F three fifty diesel truck. Right. So to get down here to the river bottom, we went through a uh, beautiful um, woodland and some uh, just a little moisture there. Some streams. <laughs> streams. Yes, yeah, streams. So uh, if you would have told me um, two years ago. <clears throat> 
when I also had to uh, leave uh, my home in Mystic, Connecticut and, and uh, let go of my uh, center that I built there for 11 years to go somewhere where I didn't know exactly where and end up right here in this moment with uh, one of the dearest friends I ever knew in this lifetime, watching the sun sparkling on the beautiful clear water on her land, on God's land, yes, and she as the caretaker. And I, um, I think we should never, ever question, <laughs> never say anything not impossible, right? Say never, say never. Um, Nothing's impossible with God. That's right. And so, Milo, what, what gives you that, um, that sincerity and the, and, and the tears that you have about that? Is it the beauty of God that you really appreciate or the, 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 you know, the co-creation with God or uh, just being able to live, you know, with, with God's idea, as you say, or whatever? And is that, is that what gives you really touches your heart or is <laughs> oh, those deep pondering questions. Um, I, I'm amazed that as much as we think we are in charge of our lives, we really are not. You know, we yeah. are. Yeah, we are God's hands and feet, and and as many times as we, if we really seek God's will, as many times as we think we are going to go one direction. Uh, God surprises us and says, well, that's not exactly the direction I wanted you to take. And uh, we get a course correction um, if we're <laughs> listening. And um, hopefully we're listening because God always wants the best for us. And sometimes we don't want to listen. And that course correction ends up, you know, in, in a crash course, if you will. But I think it's amazing how for all of the people that have lived through the many, 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 many millennial generations, he, every single one of us, he has his, his eye on and his, and his hand on. And uh, if we just seek his will and stop and listen and quit trying to do our will so often that he has great things for each one of us. And part of the thing that I want to make sure that a huge part of this, this uh, vision is that people come to know God. Um, that the, he is really the the reason that I'm here, the, that this ranch is here, and that they really come to understand that how um, how important a role he plays in all of our lives, and really, and more than, more so than our physical lives is our soul lives. I think that America has lost a lot of its soul, and so I'm forming a foundation called the Fort Owen Ranch Foundation, and the 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 slogan is to uh, restore the heart and soul of America. I mean, you know, we were, we are very blessed in this country and we're, we just, we're, we've lost so much of those blessings that God has, has bestowed on us because we've um, co-opted them to others. Uh, and we have those talents and those abilities that God gave us. And we don't, we, we, we want to relinquish them to other people to run our lives and, and tell us what to do and when to do and how to do it. And we are so, all of us are so blessed to have so much that we can offer. And uh, we got to get that back. We've got to restore our hearts and our souls because there are so many people whose souls are on life support and they just... They need to know that they're that that they need to they need to know God's out there. Jesus is out there. He died for us, and we have to. We just have to get back there as best we can. And like you said, the the soul of America has been compromised, and and we're 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 a very big part of that. We're a part of that because we're here, um, and so you have taken a piece. A big chunk, okay. As far as I'm concerned, it's a big chunk, and and you uh, to to restore it. That you uh, closed on this property at the same time that Sean or I don't. 
I don't know. Where's that registered mile? They're like, how do you, how, where'd you find that information? Well, it's in the historical documents. There's an original deed. And I mm. think it was really, I think it was the, I read it somewhere as well. And they, they um, the story of John Owen is really great uh, because he was a trader and, and kind of an early, early businessman, if you will, entrepreneur. <laughs> and he came here and opened a little trading post. He, he was very, very connected to the Salish Indians. And it's one of those great Indian settler stories that needs to be told. Anymore, all the kids, all people hear about is all the division between Native Americans and early early Americans. And I, I just, it's really very disheartening because I know that a lot of, well, there was a lot of tragedy there was a lot of goodwill that was shared among uh, the, the 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 settlers and the and the early uh, native americans and so i think it's a great story his wife was a salish indian woman mm-hmm. and um like i said they worked together they supported each other he he did a lot of first this was the first privately owned piece of property in the entire state of montana has the first uh, deed, I guess, if you will, and it's got the very first water right in the state of Montana. There's a lot of firsts. It's a very historic ranch, and and the, and the story needs to be told and kept alive. And he is being inducted into the Montana Cowboy Hall of Fame next year as a leg as a legacy inductee because of what he contributed to the state of Montana. So I think it's important that his story be kept alive and the fort be kept alive and more people know about it. And I think that, you know, again, I don't know why God brought me to this ranch, but I think that because of the historic nature of the ranch and yeah, I think it all, like I said, God wants you to, to go big. And he did, you know, I yes. could have bought some other little obscure ranch, but the Fort Owen ranch is the most well-known ranch and certainly in Western Montana. And it's got the name has a lot of mileage and God wants to use that mileage for his his purposes so and he picked the perfect person and the timing as you as you were talking about as well what does saint mary's mission have to do with the fort saint mary's mission was originally on the fort property um, and that's where the and i'm unfortunately i'm not as well versed on the whole that whole history as i should be been a little busy this last year so i didn't have time to really <laughs> catch up on the history but um the the jesuit missionaries came from eastern montana the salish indians sought them out they called them the black robes because they'd heard that they had medicines and and uh things you know like that so they went and sought them out and asked them to come here to the Bitterroot and they came and it was very very difficult I think they came in the winter and they would have died had it not been for the Indians because they really were way out of their element so to speak and so the uh, I think it was Father Ravali who built the the first little mission and it was built on the fort property and at some point in history they relocated it over to what is now the road go- that goes into the town of Stevensville and, and reconstruct or rebuilt it um, wh- where now is the, the town of Stevensville. And, uh, but that's the original mission. And the, and the Indians were, many of them converted to Christianity and, and uh, would attend church. So again, it's a, it's a great story. It's a great it, story that needs to be kept alive. And the photograph of chiefs or something kneeling down, did mm-hmm. you show me that? Yeah, in the in the mission in the mission building. Yeah. Yeah, dressed in full full uh headdress and everything. Yeah, in regalia and they and they were kneeling at the cross. They were kneeling Right. Catholic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a great it's a great uh, it's a great story. Like I said, it needs to be told and retold and remembered. Well, there is no doubt in my mind and uh, that you were going to be successful in the vision here because it was absolutely God inspired and and you asked. You see, ask and you will be given it, right? Mm-hmm. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. All all of that and those of us in our Mid sixties, <laughs> you know, reinventing ourselves as well. I guess the second half of our our lives, because 
gosh, we we knew how to, to play and to run and to smile and to, you know, put things together. Um, and kids today or what we see today is just cell phones that are uh, really grabbing our entire energy field and our vibration. Um, so I wanted to say thank you for your life, Myla, and thank you for, I'm certainly glad we met in real estate school in 1980. Yeah, there it is again, real estate. That's right. <laughs> another, another thing, a chapter, many, many chapters ago that all kind of had a purpose. Yes, had a purpose, and I... I love your love for God. I am honored by your peaceful mission here and your devotion. And I appreciate that very, very much. I would like to do also uh, anything else I can do or to be in any shape or form to help as well. And you have been gathering people that want to help here, Myla. Every time you talk about what you're going to do here, People get very excited about it. God is bringing people. I'm just the hands and feet. I am the uh, first mate in the ship that is out of the harbor and in the open ocean. God is uh, God has got his hands on the wheel and bringing great people locally as well as um, people from Las Vegas that I've known for years who say, how can I help? What can I do? And that's the thing. You know, one of the things about that book by Mark Batterson that I realized is you're never too old to do God's work. Um, if you're sitting there thinking, geez, I'm retired and what am I going to do? I, I, my husband died and I was 62 years old or one year old. I don't even remember. It doesn't really matter. But um, I figured I've got 20 more years I can do this. That's a whole nother career time. So uh, get out of your comfort zone and get out there and go where God will open a door for you. It's whether we walk through it um, that that determines the rest of our lives. And if you think you have to go save the world across across the uh, across the ocean, you don't. You can just go right next door to the person that right lives right next door to you and tell them about how great God is because everybody wants to come here anyway, so you might as well get involved here and start helping here and and get those uh, go walk through those doors. Now, I want to ask you two things, Myla. If, my, if people wanted to come here and get baptized right here in, in the Bitterroot River here on your property, can they do that? Yes, they can uh, get a hold of uh, Colleen. She's probably easier <laughs> to get a hold of than me. Um, and that we, we can do that, yep. Yeah, because you already had a baptism here, and I um, I wasn't able to make it that time, but you had uh, your um, stepdaughter, right? Your daughter? Yes, my step my stepdaughter got baptized. My cousin, uh, his her son, who is the ranch manager, and I myself got baptized. Oh, you did? Yeah, I was dedicated years ago when I was a kid, but I got officially baptized uh, on July 1st of this year, so... Uh, I would recommend summertime being the time to get baptized. <laughs> it's a little chilly right now, but um, yes, we can we can do that. We can uh, make arrangements, and uh, the plan is probably to do specific weekends or whatever. So, uh, if that's something that that is is uh, something that you'd like to do and is important. Uh, and well, Myla, you're getting established with uh, a pastor here, uh, and um, that's all going to unfold, you know, more and more. This is just because the school is important, but as you said, you've had to get the ranch running, up and running. Right. And then... Um, but the Christian component of it is very important to me, too. I mean, if not for God, this place wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here, and... It's uh, we, he needs all the glory, and so it's a very important component of it. So I'll be working with some of the local churches to have um, different kinds of programs and, and incorporate that part of it into everyday teaching here at the school. Yeah, and that's what you have done. You have you have brought your your magnificent heart and love for God here to buy this buy his property, piece of property here, historically, uh, already on the map, and bringing uh, all, de all denominations really together, and that there is no separation 
as long as people are understanding about Christ and heart-centered in that in that particular way. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. If you yeah. want to know Christ better, you're come get baptized in the bitter root. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you wanna, if you wanna him to be part of your life, he, he's knocking. We just have to answer the door, open the door, and let him in. Yeah. So. And your school will be up and running in the next year or two. And all you have to do is uh, go to. Yeah, we'll, for- we'll be forming a website, and uh, and uh, I'm in the process of forming a, a nonprofit uh, foundation. So there'll be more more in the future here shortly uh, uh-huh. uh, online or. And we'll, you we'll, we'll give your email it. and, you know, a little bit of website directions. One more question, because this is Thanksgiving week and we are preparing for Thanksgiving. Can we invite some of the Salish Indians? <laughs> <laughs> like the pilgrims did? Yes. <laughs> or was it the Indians that invited the pilgrims? Yeah. To That's a good question. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll look into it. <laughs> Well, I'd like to have a chief, you know, Salish Indian chief. I don't know. I know they don't look like they did back in 1850. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thank you so much, Myla. Your, um, your life is extraordinary. It's expanding as we speak. A <laughs> hundred head of cows or 110. You bought 110 pregnant cows, five bulls. One of them, is his name is Mickey. We, we had a friend called Mickey Siegel. We call him Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> Horses, chickens. That's right. We've got a whole we've got a whole ranch and farm here. A, a live working right ranch and hay farm. So if a you want, if you need any um, oats or hay, grass <laughs> too, we have that available. A live working ranch with a very live working, heartfelt uh, young lady at the helm here. You know, she reminds me of Barbara Stanwyck. You know, with all. <laughs> All the hired, all the help that comes in, and whatever. But she's an extraordinary person, and I thank her so much for her friendship and also uh, helping me uh, turn a couple corners myself uh, after the New England experience chapter. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Mala, and thank you for the opportunity to uh, <laughs> share the story of the ranch and and uh, the vision. It's great. And you can just look up Fort Owen Ranch, and I would imagine your name will come up, right, Myla? Well, if you look, if you we're on Facebook. I, I'm not in charge of the page, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's Fort Owen Ranch, and you can see the ranch and see the cows, and uh, there'll be postings about what's going on with the ranch uh, from the ranch from the ranch standpoint. But I will be getting a Fort Owen uh, Ranch Foundation website formed here this in 2019. And keep Myla and her vision in your in your prayers and all that's going to be involved here and also for your own visions and we pray for you as well and we thank you for your time. Thank you. All right, signing off from Stevensville, Montana. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother, everybody gets a good time.